Welcome to the very first episode of A Friend on the Line. It is currently 9.32 p.m. on Tuesday, August 27, 2019, broadcasting live from Los Angeles. This is your host, Leigh. I'm very excited to share this new show with you uh, called A Friend on the Line. Thank you to Noah and Orange Radio for having us. A little bit about myself. I am a spiritual worker, so um, I'm an intuitive medium. I do energy healing and I read tarot and Lenormand cards as well. I started reading tarot cards back in high school and I feel like that was kind of where everything started and within the past several years um, I kind of dove deeper. I had my own first um, intuitive reading which most people consider psychic readings um, and kind of started to open up my own channels with spirit, God, whatever you like to call it. Um, And so my goal that I've realized in that time is reaching clarity for myself, but also in that process, assisting others with their own path, you know, as I myself learn and develop on a personal level. So a bit about the mission and themes of this show and kind of the philosophy that's driving a friend on the line. So uh, the philosophy here is that everybody is a unique facet of the divine. We're all spiritual beings having a human experience in that we're here on this earth to really learn and push ourselves to be the best that we can be, to be wholly ourselves, because everybody is here for a reason. Yes, you are here for a reason, and the goal is ultimately to be true to ourselves, because when we do that, when each of us is ourselves, um, we shine our own unique light on this planet, um, and we just share the love that we all are. Um, And no one is alone. Uh, All of us are connected uh, in this state of existence. So we can always choose to tap into that connection um, to everything that exists, um, whatever the bigger picture is, however you like to view it, whatever you like to call it. um, That's kind of how we are all, um, what we all tap into. Um, And kind of continuing on that theme of everything being interconnected, um, our mind, body, heart, and spiritual well-being all come into play and they all play into each other, which is why um, our emotional health, our mental health, our physical health. Um, and, the, and the health of our, of our soul, these are all, they all um, impact each other. Um, and in that way, like the spiritual is political, the political is spiritual and that, you know, we're here having a physical existence. Um, we're living on this plane of reality. Um, and when we do so, depending on how we live our lives, we're um, either at our kind of highest state or we, we may feel low and, and that'll impact, um, you know, the quality of our lives uh, in short. Um, And so uh, just talking a little bit about why we call this, why I call this um, political is that, you know, this isn't necessarily going to be a show that talks about government or the latest thing to happen in the news. It's more about everyday life. Again, the personal is political, is spiritual. What is political is our relations, how we relate to each other, how resources are distributed, how we connect to that and how how we uh, approach the world around us and what kind of governs governs those ways of being. Um, and whether you identify as spiritual or not, I really hope that there's something to this show that resonates with you, you know, you, whatever your beliefs are. This is really about you kind of ideally reflecting on, on yourself and tapping into something that maybe you didn't realize before about um, who you are. This show, this episode um, in particular is going to be about uh, personal healing. Um, we are going to talk about healing the inner child, but before we go into what that means and what that entails, I'd like to introduce my very good friend, Samuel Eskia. 
Hi, Olay. Thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Samuel Askia, and I'm a percussionist slash musician. Um, I pretty much I got into music as a really a spiritual practice for me, uh, and I see my musical practice as really a direct connection between my past lives and my ancestors. I'm, uh, I think it's important that I mention that I am Black, American, and Portuguese. Um, I was. And, it, and it's, I guess I'll talk a little bit more about my spiritual experience. So I, I was raised Buddhist. You know, I started really acknowledging the unseen world when I had like this like really life-threatening experience when I was um, studying abroad in Brazil where I had to be rushed to the hospital and found out that it was, it had to do with my, uh, like a blockage in my throat. Um, I've participated in a, few different spiritual processes uh, from uh, Peruvian folks, uh, Mexican healers, uh, Olympias, things like that. Um, I have also went, traveled to Cuba, done a lot of uh, participation, and uh, I've just been a guest at Afro-Cuban religious ceremonies, including Santeria, and where percussion is a huge part of that. So, uh I'm also a practitioner of Ashtanga Yoga. I'm new to this. Um, it is really my primary spiritual practice at the moment, and it's really changing my life. Um, and, of course, I am here because I have personally received an intuitive healing from Lei. And um, thank you so much, Lei, for, for having me, and I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. All right, awesome. Thank you for that intro, Samuel. Um, so what we're diving in today is we're talking about inner child wounds, healing the inner child. Um, and so before we even get into that, I want to talk about what it means to heal, what it means to be totally yourself, because there is a lot of rhetoric. There is a lot of, you know, even in spiritual circles, there, there may be the idea or the impression given that. Um, you know, being our best selves means only being the good in us. It only means being strong. It only means that um, it's like love and light, positive thinking, and all of that. And while there's parts of that that are true, um, to my understanding and my experience, the goal is always integration of all aspects of self. So integration of all aspects of self means that we accept and love ourselves fully. And a lot of the time when we suffer, be that um, through mental, uh, sort of like mental troubles, if we're feeling um, you know, hyperactive in our thoughts, or feeling a little sluggish in our thoughts, or if our, our bodies are kind of off, or emotionally um, we're kind of a mess, a lot of that has to do with things that need to be reclaimed, uh, wounds that we have that need to be healed. So integration of all aspects of self, this is about um, not rejecting any aspect of ourselves. It's always about um, owning up to who we are in all facets. And part of that has to do with um, the inner child. So I feel like, you know, in psychology, there's always this whole like, what was your childhood like? What your parents like? And it really goes down to that. And I kind of used to think that was overrated. Um, but over time, I realized like there really is something to that. And before you even go into, you know, past lives or, you know, a lot of um, spiritual folks talk about connecting to the ancestors and um, going healing the ancestors and healing future generations. And all of that is super important. I think that there also needs 
needs to be a focus on um, healing ourselves and going much closer in the in the past to you know our childhood selves and what we were like then what we felt like was missing um, love that we didn't feel and different experiences that we've had different relationship models that we've witnessed that may have affected us to this day things that may like you know if we witness an unhealthy relationship model growing up it may be that you know we end up replicating those relationship models it may be that um, because we felt like our love was rejected or someone did not um, give us their love that we end up carrying that and perpetuating that or we may have beliefs from you know caretakers from teachers you know friends about about feeling unworthy that that we carry to the present moment um, so we're going to really talk about that and a, a bunch of the things that I just mentioned. Um, so again, experiences in childhood that affect our current everyday experiences as adults. Um, so yeah, Samuel and I have talked a lot about this, you know, a lot about conditioning. Um, a lot of this is cultural. Um, Samuel, did you want to pitch in with any, anything I may have been missing about healing the inner child? Um, I think... It's important. I think the, the a really important thing about this is like being really like gentle. You know, I feel like there's no rush, and we're all like in a process, and yeah, that's what. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that a lot of the times we can be really hard on ourselves and. Um, it just comes down to finding that balance between kind of pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone, um, but not taking it too hard where we end up beating ourselves up for not healing as fast as we want to be because everything is a process. And so like one of the things that I, I want to talk about uh, that is really common um, in terms of what our inner, what our children, our childhood selves were like um, is family relationships. So. This is just, I'm going to talk about a few different themes here with Samuel, uh, just because a lot of these things may hit um, some of you on different levels, some of you may resonate with different things or not, but I think I'd really like to talk about sibling order or like, you know, if people have siblings or not, I feel like this is so like fundamental in like how a lot of kids, how a lot of people like grew up relating to the world, relating to the people around them, like learning to socialize. Cause like I, myself, like I, I'm the eldest daughter, the elder daughter of two. And um, I have a little brother and my little brother came into the world when I was four years old. So, you know, being, having had that time as an only child and really receiving all my parents love you know my whole life I've actually been very privileged and I've never lacked for anything from my parents really um and I didn't realize until this year like someone um I like pointed it out like they kind of pointed out an age this was like um it's kind of like a spiritual experience and I realized like retrospectively that like I subconsciously had this um, resentment or this belief that you know when my little brother was born like something was taken from me like I wasn't in the spotlight anymore you know th there was that kind of dynamic that I didn't even realize on a conscious level because you know I love my little brother like I love my parents and, and all of that and like something you know I, I relate to the world in a generally like positive way but I realized that like um something so far back it's like when I was a kid and being four and kind of having this this new bright light enter the world it made me feel like oh like I'm not 
the star of the show anymore. And I think maybe a lot of elder children can relate to that or conversely, like I think a lot of youngest children may sort of feel the opposite because for me, it's like a lot of older siblings will generally take on a leadership role. They tend to take care of the family. They tend to take care of their siblings. So I was like very assertive and I think even more so because I wanted to sort of assert myself in light of something that I felt as a child that I had lost, even though in reality, you know, nothing was even taken from me. Um, and so I talked to a really good friend of mine lately about, you know, sibling order because she's the youngest. And so for her and like with other youngest children I know, I feel like there can sometimes be an introversion in a sense. I feel like because other members of the family may end up like speaking on their behalf or asserting on their behalf like some younger children like may find the spotlight really uncomfortable and they may feel like someone is there to take care of them they may have trouble speaking up for themselves and they may find that they may feel like that's confrontational so i don't know i'm just kind of tapping into a few different things about sibling order and having a sibling or not have a sibling well, like i know <laughs> yeah yeah you're an only child so if you want to talk about that and like how that affected you because i mean i talk to people who are only children all the time and i feel like that has affected their experience so much oh yeah it's, it's it's huge it's like um i feel like it's a little bit of both a little i feel like what you described as far as like the the the, the eldest sibling taking on a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. but then also this introversion you know and there's this um at least in my particular case i i i my parents are a little bit older on the older side and i've always kind of felt that it was like my responsibility like to to be part of taking care of them mm. you know like from a very young age you know whether it be like trying to iron out if they're having some kind of disagreement trying to be like the middle the middle person you know or um like feeling like a lot of responsibility but then at the same time there's a sense there there was like this sense of uh oh man it's it's almost like i really i it meant so it means it meant so much like everything that they that they that they thought of me mm-hmm you know, it was like I didn't have someone and I have also, to share the pressure with. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like no one to share the pressure with. Yeah. I'm like it, it was and that was that was tough. It was like it was hard too, because it was like I wasn't able to talk to anyone yeah. about it. Yeah. You know, it's like I could I could go to school and I could like talk to my friends, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they're they really don't really understand what that's like because they have siblings. Yeah. You know? And uh that was it was it was tough. It was tough. Um, I think as far as the introversion is concerned, yeah, I spent a lot of time alone. You know, I spent a lot of time alone, a lot of time to myself, a lot of my time thinking, a lot of time in front of the TV. You know, um, you know, in a weird way, like the TV was kind of like one of my right. siblings. <laughs> like the TV was like there for me. You know, like the Black Ranger. Mm-hmm. You know, the Red Ranger. You know, the you know the the Beetleborgs. You know all these like heroes on TV that I'm like watching, and I'm like identifying with them on like a really intense like level. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and and I don't know. If, I don't. I'm wrong. I don't know 
if this answers your question, but like I also had this experience where like I was forced to do piano at a very young age. So I became a musician very young, seven years old. Mm -hmm. And literally my father walks into the room and he's just like, Samuel, we're playing piano today. <laughs> and my first instinct was just like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. like, I, it was just tears. Yeah. Like that's what, that's the first kind yeah. of thing. And I knew, I knew that it was like for the best. Yeah. But there was something about it where it was like, that was like a moment for me where like a lot of the choices, like choices that I had were taken away. Yeah. You know, because that's, you know, from then on, it was piano, you know, one, two hours a day. Right. Yeah. So that's like a hunt. Wow. There's like so many different things going on there because like the first thing that you talked about, like not having someone to share the pressure with, like I... I'm so thankful like to have a sibling because you can always like it's never like the focus is on both kids at a time and sometimes like you switch off and you can always kind of lean and like make fun of your parents or just you know have fun and kind of be able to vent to your sibling um, and so you, you not having that then also like this sort of like leaning on something and I think a lot of people tend to develop sort of like coping mechanisms or ways to escape and I think a lot of people going into like media and be that TV from a young age um, and, and kind of going into the narratives that uh, arise from that. Like, it's just really interesting, like the ways that what people lean on. Because for me, actually, like I, I relate to that and kind of, I mean, I am the oldest child. And I did have a sibling to socialize with, but socially, like as a kid, I was alone a lot. So I, I would read a lot of books and sort of like that was like my friend, like that was like my friend to lean on. Um, and so yeah I don't know and then your relationship with music like I know we've definitely talked about this mm -hmm. and how that is such like an intense aspect of like conditioning is like this the discipline that we receive from our parents or lack of discipline like you know I see people who like may not have had parents that were around didn't really like impose anything and like their absence rather than kind of like being present in excess like that has also affected so many people um as well and so like yeah i don't know if you maybe if you want to talk about like we can definitely segue into the music bit and and maybe how you have been trying to address this sort of relationship that you had when you were very young and it was sort of like a forced thing and especially with with this particular instrument you know and yeah. over time like this is exactly how a lot of like subconscious beliefs come up and, and ideas about ourselves and um you, you know relating to the things that we do like that comes up from a very young age so you and the music is very important to you you are a percussionist you're part of you know you're, you're studying music um i don't know if you want to talk about like this journey and how that kind of relates going kind of going full circle with everything oh man it's a lot it's like you know for me music growing up was that was like my my form of discipline. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I I I'm grateful for my parents because they they actually never hit me. You mm -hmm. know, they had never hit me. However, mm. yeah. in a lot of ways, <laughs> yeah. the way that music functioned in my life, was it was that? a disciplinarian. Yeah. You know, like you know, I literally like sit down at the piano. Yeah. And I just start crying. Yeah. Um, instead of my dad asking me, you know, I'm just, this is experiences that I've heard from, from the, the world of sibling life. Yeah. 
instead of my dad asking me, oh, why are you crying? I'm going to give you something to cry about. Or, you know, there's yeah, that, yeah, there's yeah. kind of that kind of narrative yeah, that I yeah. hear around. Yeah. It was more like I was crying mm -hmm. and he would just wait. Mm -hmm. And it was obvious that it was like I was having a horrible time, you know? Yeah. And um, then there was the aspect of like my mom, like her pain. Yeah. Of like seeing me in so much pain. Yeah. You know? And like actually in certain situations, especially early on, yeah, she would leave the house because mm. it was just like too much for her. Yeah, and I relate to that. You know, I'm like I, I feel for her. You know, yeah, totally. Because it's like, and also I feel for her in the sense like maybe she, at the time it was hard. My dad, you know, my dad is is a very like he he has an aura to him that's very stern. Yeah. You know, it's very stern. I think it comes from, like, his upbringing. He's from the South. Yeah. You know, he, he really was forced to really be a parent at a really young age. Right. Um, so, you know, I can understand that being difficult to talk to my dad about. Um, um, so, please laugh. Let me know if I'm getting off topic here. But, anyway, the music. That's what we're talking about, right? Music. So. Yeah. How did you like reprogram that? Because you love music now and I've talked about it a little bit, but sort yeah. of like coming from that place of where music felt like something negative for you. How did you over time like reclaim that for yourself? Because I think for a lot of people out there, you know, music being such a creative, artistic thing, a lot of people might have really negative associations with being creative, whether that was for many people, I think being an artist is stifled you know their parents may encourage them to do something else and art is not you know art is not uh acceptable it's not profitable you know it's not a practical thing to engage in or to invest in and then you know for you and for a lot of other people out there a lot of creative folks like this is it might be something where um it felt force where kind of tapping into that part of yourself you know feels like something that you did not choose to engage in on you know on your own behalf so how did you kind of reclaim that and find that for yourself? Um, uh, it took it took years, you know. I um, it it was really the, the the drum. Yeah. You know, um, when I when I was in middle school, I actually started playing drums. I started yeah. playing in the drum line, and it was like that was like really life changing for me because it was like I was playing music for me. Yeah. And I had this connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I stopped for a little while because I, I felt that, you know, I felt this this pressure that I wouldn't say was necessarily, it was like, I, the pressure was built in at that point. I was socialized into believing that the piano was the only option and that's what I had to do in order yeah. to be loved by my parents in order, you know. Right. So by the time I was 18, when I was 18, I, I, I stopped playing piano and I was very bitter. I stopped for a very long time. I guess not a very long time. Five, six, seven, that's seven a, years. That's a while. Yeah, I guess what it's a long time. I mean, like, like that's a in the span of my years. life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but you're like in your late twenties, so that's like a good yeah. chunk of that. It was a good, yeah, a good chunk of my of my twenties. Yeah. And like, uh, uh, like the big part is honestly like, I was having, I I don't know, I had this, I had this, uh, I was on YouTube one day and I, I yeah. like saw like I. I saw some conga players in Cuba. Yeah. I saw some Roomba, and I was just like, oh, shit. Like, that's, I just felt it. I was like, damn, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Like, that's my shit. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, man, I, I don't know. I don't know if I should do this, you know. Um, but then I went to New Mexico, and I went to, like, this 
it was like this course on like curanderismo. Right. Uh, Mexi- in the Mexica tradition, you know, in the indigenous Mexican tradition. Do you want to talk about what that is for people who don't know? Yeah, sure. So uh, curanderismo is really like um, indigenous healing practices um, that could be, you know, anything from, you know, physical ailments, colds, um, the flu, I don't know, physical physical sicknesses Mm -hmm. to mental illness to depression to you know there's instances where you know your your soul could have left your body because of fear being inside your body because your body's such a a, uh, could be like a scary place to be in you know so um these i call these mexica because mexico is actually named after the indigenous groups that banded together to create this the mexica yeah and there's of, of course thousands of indigenous groups in mexico so at the university of new mexico they have a course every single summer where you can go and you can uh they have people they fly in people from mexico there's like curanderismo uh curanderas curanderos you know these are uh, healers that come from mexico and they uh, like teach the class, like help teach the class. It's like really awesome. It's in Albuquerque, New Mexico, University of New Mexico. Um, yeah. So I went to this class and I met a lot of people. Man, I was angry as shit too. Because this is the thing, like in the in those circles, there was a lot of like white folks, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And uh I really at that time I was really angry. Yeah. I was really angry about Called colonization, gentrification, uh, you know, the, the, the just terror that has been wreaked upon our peoples. Um, and I was mad. And anger was such a huge part of my life. Like, yeah. huge. Like, I was yes. huge part of my life. Like, and, and it was a problem. I was in a relationship at the time um, where I was getting stupid angry, like, hella angry about shit. Like, and it was affecting the relationship. And, like, my partner at the time was like, yeah, you're, like, really angry, you know? She didn't say it just, like, you know, that's this figurative way of saying it. But anyway, she said I was really fucking angry. So I went to, I met a Peruvian healer. He's from the Ashenica people of Peru. And this was in New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, the the They have, a, like, this healing garden slash collective that's connected with the with the the university in some way shabita healing garden you can look that up that's in yeah but anyway i went there i talked to this guy his name was mino I talked to mino and mino is a healer from 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 peru and his his primary primary healing method is uses tobacco yeah so i go there and i tell him like i'm really angry and also, really, I'm, I have like an anger too about my priv- about priv- my privilege. Like, I, that's a trippy thing, right? Yeah. Like, I had an anger about like I was made to believe, oh, my privilege as an only child, my privilege as like a, a middle class person, my pri- privilege as being light skin. Like, I'm uh, you know I, I'm I'm like uh, yeah, I don't deserve you're, this. You're co- you're you couldn't come to terms with who you were. It was hard for you to figure out your identity and you had you know i feel like there's all of that that and the expression was was anger yeah yeah it was definitely a lot of anger and so 
I talked to him about that. And so I went on this healing quest. Yeah. You know, I laid down and he did his thing. He hardly, he hardly even like touched me. Yeah. It was like fucking unbelievable. It yeah. was like, I'm laying down. I'm not, he put a you know blindfold over my yeah. eyes. He had the, the, the he, he had his tobacco. Yeah. And I could smell the tobacco. And he would like touch me in these very, very, very lightly in these like specific points of my body. Yeah. Like your wrist. And- my wrist. Yeah. Uh, my forehead, mm. my f- bottom of my foot, yeah. things like that. Yes. So then I start like, at this point, I go and I'm start tripping. Like it's pretty much like, I'm tripping. Yeah. So just I go from on the this healing. Training. Yeah, yeah. I just learned during the healing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm start tripping. Uh, when I say tripping, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not like. <laughs> it's an intense experience. It's an everybody. intense experience. Like it's <laughs> healing is uh, quite the uplifter. <laughs> it's uplifter. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so basically, I go out and I and I and I meet all my ancestors. I like meet my mom's parents, meet my dad's yeah, parents. Whoa. Um, I like, I rode on this whale. It was like this blue whale. Whoa, dude. Okay, whales are so important. Like anybody listening right now, like if you will ever like start thinking about animals or you see certain animals cross your path they are usually a message so whales have come up for me in dreams this year they've come up into um the dreams of a close friend of mine and i had to like look up like the meaning of whales and so usually whenever i I see things so for me i i can see uh images i can see things without being asleep this is like you know me being an intuitive and this is uh how I, i connect with my intuition so you know i often see animals like I often see elements of nature and, and plants and landscapes and all of that. And so I have to like look so much stuff up during my work. It's like, it's so funny. I feel like I, it's like art interpretation or research. I'm always looking to like symbology. So I have to look up like um, animal dream meetings. I looked up like uh, whale dream meetings and they just, they're super like spiritually powerful animals. And typically whenever these come up for people and if you're dreaming about them, anybody out there, like they often say, signify a really important phase of your life where you're undergoing a lot of spiritual education. So I know people who've had this come up when they've been uh, through really tough times. And so like the blue whale coming up, it's just like, I feel like it's such an affirmation of a really deep spiritual connection and of something really pushing you, really pushing your soul to to open up and, and wake up in, in a new and different way. So it's really interesting that you saw this. I mean, obviously it's a healing experience explicitly and you're seeing this like, you know, very strong animal, like deeply, deeply in tune. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was like a huge tangent, but you know, just had a shout out to anybody seeing animals out there um and, and you you know especially if you see them in dreams like i recommend that y'all look these up because they animals have medicine animals have different messages to share um so yeah thank you for sharing that someone you can no definitely problem. keep going with your story yeah no, yeah th- yeah thanks for sharing that so basically i am on this whole journey that i'm taking after meeting my ancestors yeah you know um i go all the way back to africa you know, I met folks. I met a, I met someone who was first. I before I met the person in Africa, I met yeah. someone who was enduring slavery. Yeah. And he 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 told me about how like that he went through he what he went through so that I could be where I am. Mm. So then I went then I went to uh, 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 Africa in Mali. So my so for those of you who don't know my name my the name that I, I I my middle name is Askia. That's what I go by. Askia is a is a West African ruler in the 14th century, um, and his tomb is in Mali. So I go to Mali, and 
I meet I meet this person in like this in like this this like little hut, and he just tells me, if you follow the drum, everything's gonna be okay. Damn. He just told me that. If you follow the drum, everything's gonna be okay. And that was like so profound. And that's when I really knew, like, you know, I, I, this was, a, I don't know how long this went on for. Yeah. You know, I could have been hours, you know, how, how long this healing session went on. Yeah. Um, but that that's really what gave me that drive that I knew yeah, that it's really the, the, the drum is really, that's the point I have to keep. That's kind of like my North Star. Yeah. You know, if I follow the drum, then everything's going to be okay, you know? Yeah. So that's, yeah. So I feel like, yeah, you, you point out so many different things that we can tap into here. One of them is that like healing experiences and receiving messages and whether you get that from an intuitive medium who channels that to you or whether you get it yourself and you see things and you hear things, it can really be that pivotal, that, that turning point where you understand what your next move is. And I feel like it's so interesting um, that you are directed towards the drums, the drums being the pulse, you know, in finding that life within yourself and connecting to that particular instrument. Like, I feel like percussion is such, you know, it's the heartbeat. It's super, it's super primal. It's, it's what we hear when we're infants and finding that direction for you, I think is, um, really amazing. And you are an, an amazing percussionist. So, oh, thank you. yeah. Um, but also, yeah, going into other stuff before, and I think this will be maybe pertinent for a lot of folks because like, you talking about anger like this makes me think about how people's expression of wounds like will take on different forms different energies and a lot of this depends too on like sort of what kind of uh elements or what kind of um composites someone has like what someone's energy is like so i this is kind of like a, a recent thing that i found out about that is r relevant to this I, i've recently found out about um ayurvedic body types i'm not oh, very yeah. familiar yeah i'm not super familiar with ayurveda but i i was like talking to my coworker about like you know my body and like my diet and how like my stomach was like getting super picky and i'm undergoing like physical changes and like she told me to you know look into these body types and i was just like so floored when i found out like what my type was because i found out i was the the pita body type which um is dominant in in fire and so like it's like the pita types it's like their expression can be anger jealousy rage um there is a, there's a lot of life force present there's a lot of life force so it's like pitas have a lot of they have a lot of that heat you know and they kind of like need to cool down um so i feel like you know knowing i feel like a lot of people close to me are super fiery super fiery and i feel like when you are this type of person and you you have this wound like for anybody out there like who who resonates with with the emotion of anger and in, in a really consistent way like if people lean towards that and, and you're wounded and you talking about how you you have this resentment you have this anger you had anger about you know about music and you'd anger towards um your, your father um father figure and I, I just feel like for people out there who resonate with that like part of healing that aspect of yourself and kind of coming back into balance is going back to what wound like is is the origin of a lot of the anger that you you may carry because a lot of people who 
um, have this expression of anger of really asserting it and kind of lashing out, there's there's something internal that that needs to be addressed. There's sort of like, um, how do I say this? It's like a, trying to steal back that energy by 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 acting out. Um, and, and there's a need to really, for one thing, I think, recognize when you do that. Because at some point, especially if you carry this for years, like you start lashing out at anybody. You start lashing out at your partner. You lash out at your friends. Anybody that you feel like looks at you the wrong way. This is like an unhealthy coping me mechanism. Of, you know, you got a chip on your so shoulder and um, something that may even go back to, to when you were five years old, six years old, however young you were. But that having impacted how you view yourself, how you view the world. And again, like feeling like something is taken from you, it, it causes some people, you know, even without thinking about it to, um, you know, really take that out on other people. And, and even when someone may not mean something, um, they may not mean anything malicious towards you or, or come at you in any negative way. Like I, I see that some people who have felt rejected, people who have felt like their life wasn't fair, they tend to interpret things and to see benign actions as, as malicious, as having ill intent behind them. So this is like part of that programming that I'm talking about that we need to um, as individuals address like however you know however you learn to view yourself and view the world from a young age like that is something that you may carry with you and it's a matter of recognizing you know what particular way like that becomes manifest um, and I also feel like talking about parental figures and caretakers uh, for anyone out there that is trying to understand sort of the nature of their own relationship to whoever you know, may have been your caretaker when you were young and what that was like. I feel like there are a couple different patterns that I've seen from different people. So, you know, for f folks that feel that they were pushed to choose something, they may have a hard time choosing something for themselves. Like, so if someone, mm -hmm. so I, actually this is a great, this made me just think of something where people who are really like fiery and like they feel like, they feel like their choices have been super inhibited since they were young. I've noticed a lot of people tend to be contrarian just to prove that they have free will, that they have agency. So I've seen, you know, a couple of my friends, people that I see in the world, like, it's like if someone says, uh go left like you will these people will just turn right just to be like you know what i'm not going to do what you say but i think you know it makes me laugh to see when like people act like this because it's like if you are doing the opposite of what somebody says or someone makes a claim and you just say the opposite just for the hell of it like you're still not being like your authentic self because what you do is still in some way dependent on the other person so it's like some people may subconsciously feel like this is them going the opposite way of, of being forced to do something by, by doing something else and, and, and taking it 180 but this is still sort of like um not really the way to heal it's not really about connecting to to what you really believe and so i just wanted to point that out in case that resonates with anyone um and for people who may be less assertive and kind of don't have that reaction i found that you know another response um it's like some people really don't want to choose for themselves it's like don't make them don't make them don't make them speak up for themselves because it just feels like hell like some people have a really hard time speaking up like a lot of fear around that um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing and thinking of different patterns that I've seen. Um, I know I'm not going to be able to touch on all the different ways that people 
um, lean in, in in order to cope with with uh, whatever has caused them wounds or you know pain in their lives. But I just wanted to bring up those few ways in case that brings up something for you, any of you listening out there. Samuel, do you have any like have you noticed any other patterns? Or do you relate to any of that? Like I'm just kind of thinking about people I know and like my own my own behaviors. I'm, I'm glad I don't tend to be contrarian, but I. I, I do like have a lot of fire energy and I do assert myself, but you know, yeah. it's I mean, um, for, for me, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've gone both ways. You know, I've been very contrarian in certain aspects of my life, but then there's other aspects where it's kind of like I, I, I replicate, mm. um, the, the, the experience of not having a choice. Yeah. Where, and, and like with, you know, b- Primarily in in my romantic relationships, this has happened, where it's like, oh, you like me? Oh yeah, cool. I like you too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, next thing you know, I'm like in a relationship, and it's it's like, what are you doing? Years, you know, oh, yeah. and, I, and I'm like, well, uh, yeah. Um, oh, you want to like move in together? Oh, I guess I, I do too, you know. Yeah. I guess I do too, you know. Or yeah. thinking that others have mm, power over you. Have power over me. Yeah. Like I'm not like I'm not free. Like I'm like I end up like acting in a way that's not not free. Yeah. I'm not like like you said, authentically myself. Like shit, I had this situation where I've I uh I um had a situation where I moved in with somebody. And it was, like, not a good fit. Yeah. But I did it because it was, like... It seemed like the right choice. It seemed like the right choice to do. I was, like, this is what you do, right? When you're together for, like, a certain amount of time, then you, like, do this. And And it was, like, it it wasn't good. Yeah. Because I ended up, like, acting in a way Mm -hmm. that wasn't authentic to myself. And by not acting authentic to myself... I ended up hurting somebody. Yeah. You know, and yeah, that's the big absolutely. thing when you're not authentic, when you're not yourself. It's like, who's happy? You you're unhappy. People. Someone else is unhappy now. It's like there is collateral damage to not being honest with with yourself. Because when you're not honest with yourself, you're definitely not going to be honest with other people. And I feel like this brings up, you know, another really good point of like relationship models that people witness from a really early age. And like people kind of adopt a script that they may have seen. So if people are used to seeing like, you know, abusive relationships, unhealthy relationships in any way, they tend to fall into that or they, they may either like, replicate replicate um you know harmful harmful patterns harmful uh, harmful roles um and kind of fall into these things instead of like really addressing it like people may not even be aware of it and even if you're aware of it it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be easy to break out of that pattern and so i think part of like the crux of healing like half of it i feel like is recognizing that you have a wound and that you're wounding other people because i feel like you know healing yourself you kind of heal your relationships to other people you heal yourself as a child you heal yourself um presently you know it it affects so many different people and it's like you realizing that it didn't feel good like i feel like this is just the number one thing that anybody has to do is to recognize when something doesn't feel good for you if you're doing something that just makes you feel awful like why do it you know yes. why do it it just doesn't like make sense like the the only compass that we need no one needs to 
like subscribe to any particular doctrine, to any set of rules. The only compass that really matters for each individual is what feels good for you on a deeper level and what doesn't feel good on that deeper level. It's not about superficial pleasure or happiness. It's not about superficial positive thinking. It's really just what feels like you are in line with yourself, feels like, you know, feels good for you throughout your whole body, mind, heart, body, soul. Um, and, and what doesn't? Because when it's really as simple as that. And there are legitimately tricky situations where it's not clear what the right answer is. But I can tell you that like if there's something that you do every day and you hate it, the best thing to do is to just leave that situation if, it, if it's in your power to. Now, again, like I said, this is not always easy to do. And there are oftentimes external circumstances that come into play that make this, you know, like I said, really difficult. And I feel like, you know, let's get overtly political here. Like when rent is as high as it is and you're living in a major city like Los Angeles, you know, people may not be able to afford an apartment on their own where cohabiting makes sense, like where cohabiting just feels like financially the best option. And it makes people, I, you know, from what I've seen, like stay in really unhealthy relationships. And so that's that's an aspect where, you know, that is overtly has to do with 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 money and has to do with employment and especially like being millennials and, and being young and like with the state of like the jobs that are that are out there and, and again like rising rent prices and, and everything it's just like all of these things affect our ability to make choices and so even that being considered i i would want to encourage everybody to tap into feelings of trust when it feels like you are giving up something really hard for you to let go of because i find that you know, whether it's like an unhealthy relationship or a job, it feels like, you know, it feels like you can't find anything better. It feels like you can't find um, something to fill the void that would come about if you lost that particular thing, whatever that may be. But I feel like so much of faith, and again, no matter what your religion is, what your spiritual um, philosophy is, you know, no matter what you think, it's like there's an element of faith that comes into play when you choose to let go of something negative. It, and whether and that can even be a behavior, that can be a thought pattern of, again, like really hating yourself or hating something that you do. And some, well, like you talked a lot about music, this could be something as simple as addressing like, you know, feelings of worthiness, especially when you feel like growing up, you really wanted validation from somebody. Um, and, you know, this is oftentimes a, a parental figure. Um, this can be, you know, teachers. Like, pe there are things that people look up to. Like, I know people that tend to um, seek approval through, like, grades, things like that, through, uh, through excellence, through, through success. And, and it's very, like, external, like, superficial uh, sort of indicators of success. And that's kind of, like, one way that people can lean. You know, it doesn't always have to be drugs. It doesn't always have to be... Um, you know, this or that, it can really just, it can even be something that is quote unquote positive and being an achiever. I feel like, I don't know, I just felt called to talk about that because I think that is one way that people want to feel worthy because deep down they don't feel worthy just all on their own. Um, so I think it's really just so important to reiterate to everyone that you are so worthy just being yourself and regardless of whether or not you receive that on a, at a young age you know it becomes a matter of recognizing that 
that it's a false belief that a person's disdain towards you, a person's disapproval really has nothing to do fundamentally with who you are. It is external to your sense of self, or at least it ought to be. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, everybody's an island and that it's not important to have positive social relations and, and all of that. Of course, it's it's so lovely and it's in fact necessary to have positive relationships with people and to have people we, we connect with and, and who affirm who we are. But I think I want to say like, first and foremost it's a matter of approving of ourselves it's a matter of validating ourselves as we are and especially uh, a matter of approving of who we are when we're, we're doing things that other people may not like that people may disagree with that people may give you a hard time about and, and it's a lot of healing in this regard is reminding yourself that the only person's opinion that really matters is your own the only person you know who where their opinion of you matters is is your own um and, and to let go as much as possible of these ideas that you know you only mean something if your boss really likes you or if your partner worships you or if you have approval from you know your parents and all of that like again positive relationships happen when a lot of the time when, when you love yourself i'm not saying again if you don't love yourself you don't deserve love from everybody else but it just i feel like there's oftentimes a correlation between how you view yourself and the kinds of relationships that you engage in i see like a lot of people um you know even even in the workplace like allow certain things or tolerate certain things um and again this is one of those situations in life where people may, may feel like they don't have a choice but if people have a choice you know really um letting horrible behavior slide because they feel like this is the way for for your life to have meaning is to kind of like get that raise get that bonus have this shiny job have this shiny thing but it's it's really not about that um yeah some like any thoughts i just Yo, shared a yes. lot yeah well, yes very i i agree with everything you're saying i think like it's really important to just be like i it, for, to create to like you say create create meaning for for your for, for for yourself look at yourself and be like i'm i'm awesome you know <laughs> you know like like seeing seeing yourself as like i like how i feel at mm. this moment matters yeah i don't care if i you know it's like i don't you know if someone else thinks tries to devalue how you feel yeah or devalue i don't know what what you're doing like as long as long as you're putting something you're putting something out there and it's in your best and, and you have positive intentions you have intentions to create something that is that that is a reflection of who you are out in the world like what's the what's the problem with that you know like, yeah it's, it's the best thing that anybody could do yeah like that, that's that's really that's really i say yeah that's really what it's about i think Oh man, speaking speaking from my experience, like a lot of it, it's like I spent so much time. I'm not gonna call it wasted time. It's not wasted. No, never no, wasted. Never wasted time no. is never wasted. Mm -mm. But I spent so much time worrying about what other people think. Yeah. So much time, like, and ultimately to realize that what matters is what I think. What matters is what I feel. That doesn't mean be selfish. Yeah. That doesn't mean disregard what other people are feeling. That doesn't mean yeah. run over other people. Mm -hmm. 
in your pursuit of yourself and mm-hmm. your own, you know, uh, life or whatever, whatever your goals are. But like, yeah, so 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 important to to, to really like just check in, cause oh my god, there was so many times when shit was bad. Yeah, shit was bad. You know, this could. This goes for my experience with piano. This goes with my experience in my relationships. This goes with experience with friendships. Where it's like, I'm just not fucking with this shit right now. Yeah. And. <laughs> and. I. Was. W- w- ignored it. I ignored myself. I ignored myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's like, that's the thing. That's what I want to talk about that you were bringing up because. Like, one of the ways that people try to cope is by, like, ignoring something. Like, ignoring a symptom, ignoring a negative feeling. And it's, like, repressing this stuff and bring it deep down, like, it doesn't make it go away. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, people, there's, I know so many people who are, like, afraid of confrontation afraid of like negative feelings and so like it's like i see them just like clam up when they're like angry when they're sad and sort of like no 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 i'm fine i'm okay i'm okay i'm fine and they're like they're like lying to themselves too every day like i'm fine it's okay like i hate my job it's okay like i hate my partner but it's okay it's okay it's fine like i'm not unhappy i'm not unhappy you know and it's like the first thing you can do like i said is like when i'm talking about integration of the self and being honest with yourself it's like never rejecting or ignoring these negative feelings never rejecting even the negative sides of yourself it's like when you recognize what's happening when you see and accept negative aspects of your life and even negative aspects of yourself because when you see that your shadow is coming out like the key is to to see and to recognize it as a friend to say it says that something is wrong it's never about rejecting any part of yourself and i want to bring up too like when people are young like they learn to reject parts of themselves because those parts of themselves were rejected by their parents Mm -hmm. by other family members Mm -hmm. by their friends by society at large and part of healing is really about reclaiming that part of yourself that that felt rejected and it's about being honest with yourself and re- reclaiming those those negative feelings that you know you try to ignore because the more you ignore them i just feel like the more the more insistently they pound on your door so like again like i'm saying like the, the key to this is just to really like see all of these things as friends like there's no positive over negative like the positive and negative all go together and they all and they all have truth they all are pointing you in some direction um and you know talking about self-worth i just wanted to talk about you know even on a subconscious level or even like even in a spoken level on a conscious in a conscious way um you know people can really learn to hate themselves Mm-hmm. because of how their parents talk to them you know because of them feeling outcast at school growing up for some reason if they were like a weird kid or you know didn't fit in whatever reason like you just felt like an outsider in your community and it's like i mean there are just so many there's so many reasons to feel like you were rejected right and it's like growing Mm -hmm. up there there can be like a self-hate there can be a narrative that comes into play over and over and over again whether that's like 
you know, you're ugly or you're you're dumb. People come to believe these things because e- even if it was just one time, even if it wasn't a, a pattern of someone disciplining you over and over again, even if it was just one really mean comment someone made in like third grade and you never forgot it, like that, like people can just reiterate that to themselves over and over and over again, you know, like uh, speaking of like beauty, like I had a really like weird relationship with that, like growing up, I just happened to think of it um and and this being relevant to to healing and, and self-perception it's like you know i you know i'm filipina and i was like proper brown when i was young like you know i, and I was chubby and i wore glasses and i was like a little nerdy um in elementary school like i mean i wasn't like a popular kid per se um and it's like as i grew older like i for whatever reason like i, I mean it's like I, I started to look different, like um, I became lighter skinned, uh, you know, all of this stuff. Like I'm like not chubby anymore. I don't know. Like but and it's like as I grew up and like seeing the difference in how people notice me, like that's like a weird thing. That's like an overtly political thing. That's like a racial thing. It's like colorist. Um, colorism comes into play and it's like you know, really grappling still. And even when it, my, my body changes and, and my external reality changes, like so, if there's something that I carry, you know, from, from how I grew up and how I was perceived by the world, you know, in terms of like normative standards of beauty. And that's something that I carry. And it's like you said, like part of me loving myself was not rejecting this childhood self of mine where, mm-hmm. you know, I felt really lonely sometimes or like really introverted like my friend groups change from time to time like as i grew up um i did have some city groups of friends but you know what i mean it's like you know i i know what it feels like to be on the outside for different reasons and so part of me dealing with that is to not reject that not to reject that outsider like i've seen like you know people like I, I, people like with fitspo and the fitspo community i feel like there are people who What's that? What's that? What's that? Fit? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I think actually, I'm not even sure. If I, it's like I think it's like fit inspiration, or just like wellness, fitness. Oh, like CrossFit. It does not have to be CrossFit. Just fitness. Just fitness. Just fitness, like in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's like you know before and after, and when like people were like chubby when they were kids, if they were straight up fat, and like growing up, and then it's like um, I'm really fit now. I'm like really buff. I like lift and whatever, and that's totally fine. Like people can do whatever they want, but I've seen that sometimes there is a rejection and there is like a humiliation internally, and it's like looking down on who you were as a kid and like hating yourself and wanting to spin that around and be the total opposite. To be the opposite of who you were at that time in order to feel like you are worthy. So part of me loving myself completely and addressing this childhood self is not to reject her and in fact to love myself so completely whatever even when I felt negative about myself even if the world felt negatively about me like I would hold this version of me so close like no one could ever take that away from me no one could ever make me love myself any less and especially me I would not love myself any less and it's always a matter of like whenever you felt most rejected or most alone it's a matter of greeting that child especially as a friend like I was talking to like one or two people about this, but I had like a really intense healing experience um, driving, making a long drive from like LA to SD. Like I, I make that drive sometimes because of a family. Um, 
And so it was like night and I was driving, uh, driving to San Diego and I was just playing my music. And for whatever reason, I chose to play music that I listened to like a lot in middle school. And that was super nostalgic for me. It's like music I don't really listen to that much. Um, and, and I think I was especially playing this band like Bell and Sebastian. Like Bell and Sebastian okay. was like, do you know Bell and Sebastian? I told, I know the name, but like, <laughs> okay. I, I know, I know the era. Like this is like the type of music I listened to um, growing up. And a lot of that was because of my cousin, my, my Kuya James. If you're listening, Kuya James, like shout out to you. <laughs> and my friend Camille, actually, if Camille is here, like she also put me onto Bell and Sebastian when I was like maybe sixth grade anyway i'm like digressing but i was like driving down the freeway blasting this i don't know if the window was open or not but like all of a sudden like i just like started remembering how i felt in middle school like i always kind of got to school early and i was kind of like hanging out by the gym you know when you kind of have to kill time before class starts and your parents have work and they like they have to drop you off and you're gonna like do whatever you gotta do until that time and like you know i remember like you know just kind of sitting alone with my little like did i have an ipod yet whatever i was using at the time i might have been like the ipod classic or whatever in, in middle school and just like Oh, you know what? No, no, no. I was using this red, like, Sony Walkman, I think. Yeah, I did not know. It was like... It was like an MP3 player. It was like, oh, yes. You know what? Sixth grade, seventh grade, that was when people had, like, the iPod minis. I remember that because I really wanted an iPod mini. This was, like, me in middle school was, like, I really wanted an iPod mini. But, like, like, sixth grade, I was using, like, this Walkman that, like, my parents gave me. And I listened to CDs that, like, my cousin burned for me and CDs that I burned. And I just like felt kind of alone. Like I remember those feelings of passing the time and just being alone and listening to my music and feeling how I did at the time, you know, like being who I was at the time, like kind of nerdy, like not super popular, like having my old friends and being like a little weird, not, you know, but it just like listening to that, but remembering how, how that felt to um, kind of feel like an outcast and not feeling a super strong sense of belonging. Like I just like driving down the 405 like just started crying like I was listening to music that I just like I knew the words by heart and it was just music I had listened to in a long time but was really like important to me growing up and I started thinking about myself at that time and I was filled with so much love and gratitude for that experience I think a lot of healing is about gratitude gratitude like you said like no wasted time nothing is ever wasted nothing is ever a detriment to our personal path our personal progress and so like I was just crying because I really loved myself so much like that time in my life and my and my loneliness and I loved and I love that not in a way where I like put it on a pedestal or anything or or, you know but just in a way that was like you know what I, I loved I loved who I was at the time even though now it's like I don't feel as lonely I feel a lot better about myself um it's still that's still a part of me you know again i want to talk about integration of the self it's like at every age every version that i am you know every negative every negative experience every negative aspect like that i I still call that into myself you know and i and try to love every bit of it as much as i can because it's like it so much of life is just about loving the life that you live and loving who you who you've been and and again like i said not rejecting that (laughs) yeah Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, I, I yeah, I just, I completely agree. Completely agree. 
I, I feel similarly about myself as a child. Like, I love who I was, you know? You know, in that piano, even though that shit was, 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 was horrible and hard at times, I expressed myself. I expressed myself deeply, like, as a child. You know, that was, like, such a blessing. Such a blessing to have that outlet, you know? And um, I, 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 I want to just, I really resonate. With, with with your with your with that the, the loving all aspects of yourself, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. With with I mean, whether it has to do with time, with space, yeah. Whatever, it's like everything just like coexists, you know. Yeah, like yeah, just coexisting. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a beautiful it's beautiful beautiful thing. How how recent was that? Just out of curiosity, like how far how oh, long ago was that? Oh, within the past year, it was like past pretty year. recent. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so actually, yeah, I wanted to say, like, if anybody is, like, thinking of what kind of rituals or exercises you can do for me, like, that works really well. Like, I feel like listening, just taking the time out to um, do something or listen to music that reminds you of how you were at, a, at an age where you felt like you needed a friend, like, that is a really good way to do that to to address that 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 part of yourself that version of yourself um so it's like listening to music and just kind of you can even meditate you don't really have to do anything but you can just kind of let things come to the surface um you can let those feelings that you had at that time come to the surface and especially if you haven't thought about it or remembered it in a super long time like you might see actually like how much you still feel those emotions because again like a lot of the things we've buried deep down things we may not even even notice like you know me being like a four-year-old and having a a baby brother but i didn't even i mean that's not even something i think about like consciously but it's still like you know all of this stuff and it's about loving every aspect of your life loving every relationship you've had in your life even even the negative ones um another thing that i've done that was really positive is um like you can do this with the music as well but i feel like sitting down and thinking of and visualizing different versions of yourself through time um and you can especially do this from the perspective of i mean yourself now but also with like your higher self um which may be a whole other topic to talk about um so maybe we'll stick with just visualizing different uh, versions of yourself from the age that you are now so like you can start from like literally when you were a baby and you can imagine yourself sitting with yourself as a baby as an infant as a toddler and then expressing love towards that version of you that version of you that does exist out there in time and space and sending that child love you know we talk a lot of people talk about healing your ancestors and healing your ancestors to yourself but a lot of the time i feel like you can send the love send the healing back to who you were as a child and even you doing that for yourself at the present in the present state and, and doing this conceptually there there's such a strong healing aspect to that um and so moving through age and especially spending time w- with thinking about it and really facing you know version of yourself in an age where you really maybe hated yourself hated your life and really sending yourself as much love as possible loving yourself really fiercely like this is is super emotional like this may sound super simple and straightforward but like this can get really emotional especially if you don't think about these things you don't really reflect on, on the past like it's just a really good way of um 
tuning in and again integrating integrating those past selves with 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 the current um, and you can move through time all the way to the present and you know even if you want to move that to visualize the kind of life that you want to live the kind of person you want to be in the future i feel like that'd probably be really helpful too mm-hmm. you know yeah um yeah i think an, an T- tying into the what you're exp- um, explaining, like connecting with like past yeah. selves, I think another one thing that's like been really helpful for me is I'll go to that time, I'll yeah. like visualize that, and I'll ask and I'll ask, what did I need? Yes, exactly. What did I need mm-hmm. when I was sitting on that piano bench, for example? When I was sitting on that piano bench, when I was crying, what did I need? Yeah. Identifying that and doing that now. Yeah. Because that's the only person who can nurture. That, yeah, that's the only person ultimately. who can, you know, like, not saying, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I, I de- I'm I not uh, dis- disregarding, like, you know, relationships that you have with, with, yeah. with your family, with your friends. But I'm saying that ultimately healing that part of yourself, healing that child part of yourself, when when you're, you're developing spiritually as a spirit, as a, um, as a person, it, it, it's you gotta learn to do it for yourself yeah you, yeah and i will say too that that brought that brings up another important um potential way that people might try to cope with things is for people who had maybe caretakers that were really absent or very inconsistent you know i find that a lot of people it's like there's a, there's a lot of information on attachment styles so some people may tend to have avoidant attachment styles and may really tend to withdraw from other people um, especially when relationships get really vulnerable, get really intimate. Like if people have tried to be vulnerable in the past um, and have had their trust betrayed or received a really negative reaction and then that stuck with them, that can, that's like, that's, that can be really traumatic for people. Um, and even if it's something on a daily basis, especially when people were young and growing up, if their parents were always at work or you know always absent and always busy and didn't have time to take care of them, like there is effect, an effect on that on the psyche as well that lingers through time until we kind of learn to address that. And so it's always a matter of balance of like, yeah, ultimately it's we ourselves who are responsible for our lives and our self-love is the most important but it's it's it should not become a matter of withdrawing from the world and being so self-reliant that you push people away or you pull away from people you know so right. I, I really wanted right. to bring that up because like I, I hadn't really touched on that earlier so you know it, it, I think that's really important to bring that up for whoever might resonate with with that attitude and that kind of behavior Mm -hmm. um and it's a matter of letting go of expectations so a lot of the conditioning that we received as children it sets up expectations for you know how how we see reality so if the expectation is going to be that someone is going to reject you if you show a, a real emotion or show a real side of yourself there's like that will come into play you may you may not seek that kind of moment of authenticity of of relation with someone uh you know you you may uh act out in other ways it's it's a matter of addressing you know what are your expectations and do they limit you or do they help you is is it uh, a matter of you being receptive or are you kind of rejecting something are you expecting someone to be angry you do when someone asks you a question do you feel like they're testing you you know like there's so many subconscious um, expectations, perceptions of how people react to us, and, and we get reactive. We get really responsive in an impulsive way because we're operating out of a pattern that we've adopted since we were very young. Yeah, like mm-hmm. does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think. Oh man, it, it's it's it, it's rec- I, I think like it's recognizing. Yeah, I'm just gonna say I, I agree. I'm I'm, not, I'm just gonna agree with that. 
Yeah. So I I think like as when it comes to recognizing recognizing those those, those patterns of like feel what it what like feeling like you can you have to uh, push away. Yeah. Push away when things get hard. Push yeah. away when the when 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 you have to when something comes up and and it's triggering that 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 old you mm-hmm. that that you that was afraid. Yeah. That you that was that 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 didn't feel listened to. Yeah. That you that didn't feel like your voice like your voice mattered. That your like your physical safety mattered even. Right. That's so important. Yeah. yeah like when yeah. when that happens, that's the that's that's the time to 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 make sure to to mm-hmm. to give that. Yeah, it really, it's so important to choose safety, to choose love, to choose healthy relationships, um, things that make us feel feel good on, again, on, on fundamental aspects of, of being. Definitely. Um, and so we're approaching the time when we're going to transition over to the intuitive reading, but I just kind of wanted to recap <laughs> some of the many things that were said, some of the things that were hit on the head um, during the, this conversation for the past um, hour or so. Um, so integration of self with, with the inner child and, and part of healing is really, again, going deep and kind of going back and seeing where, where wounds lie and seeing how they connect to um, how we how we connect to our reality on on the present uh, daily basis um, and really loving ourselves wholly and completely, even those parts of our lives, those experiences and relationships um, that were negative and that were really hurtful, maybe even traumatic in a way and choosing to choosing something different, like accepting that, but choosing something different and knowing that no one is ever fated to what they've experienced. No one is ever fated to, you know, a negative life and that we do have some say in the matter and that there's a, a way to do that in a really healthy, authentic way. And it just becomes about, you know, listening to your inner compass about what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And that's that's essentially the only spirituality that really matters at the end of the day. Straight up. Yeah. So we are going to take a little break and we're going to play... Um, a couple songs um, at, before we switch over to a live intuitive reading that we have with a guest. Um, the first song that we're going to play is by Cautious Clay and it is Swim Home. All right, and we are now back with a friend on the line. That last song was by Armando Young. It's Loved Ones. Um, and then in Portuguese, Samo, maybe you should help me out. It's uh, Saudagis. Saudade? Saudade. Yeah, Saudade. All right. <laughs> Just because I, I want to make sure I say what song it is because sometimes like when I hear a song on the radio, like kills me and when I don't know what it is. Um, and I know I wrapped up the last segment, but I thought of something during the break that I really wanted to bring up because I think this might hit home for a lot of people. Um, I Just talking to... I don't know, like friends, family, like thinking about myself, like people get used to um, playing a role in life, Um, playing a role that they learn from a very young age. So again, like I I talked about sibling order earlier, um, and I find that a lot of people who are used to taking care of others when they were young, they tend to take care of others growing up, maybe to the extent that they don't really take care of themselves. And And I find that people can often sacrifice 
their own well-being and their own time and energy and, and to put other people above themselves. And there are also people who may be used to um, getting taken care of and, and as they grow older, they may lack sort of um, an assertion, um, sort of a responsibility. Um, it may tend to lead on other people or to, may tend to be complacent in a way. So I, I obviously did not cover all the, the roles that people may learn growing up but i did want to bring those up just because like just some recent conversations with some dear friends of mine have, have come to mind um and i wanted to share that for anybody um where that note might might uh hit home um and maybe kind of help you figure out something about yourself and the way that you relate to other people um so now we really are good with that sort of conversation aspect of of uh, the broadcast and talking about the healing child or healing the inner child and the patterns that come up with that and we are going to switch over to a somewhat related segment but this is going to be a live intuitive reading um, with a guest on the show low um, before we go into that um, i know not everybody is familiar with what an intuitive reading is so i will say for those of you like who know what a psychic reading is it's essentially that although technically they are different um, because when you're psychic, you're sort of like reading the aura of the person um, when they're sitting with you. You kind of read that psychic, um, read psychically that energy that they have. But being an intuitive medium is about connecting directly to spirit. Again, whatever you, you consider spirit to be, if that's God or universal consciousness or truth. And everybody has access to this. Everybody can tap into that. Um, everybody um, has their intuition speak to them in a different way. Uh, it's like I said, we all have we all have friends in spirit, um, whether that is your higher self or um, guardian angels, if you're familiar with that concept. Like we, we always have friends in spirit who, who, uh, who work on our behalf and, and who really assist us so that we can live our best lives here and be our true selves. So for me specifically, how this comes into play, um, I am an intuitive medium. So I do readings for other people where I tap into spirit and I, I receive messages on, on their behalf. Um, and this is, can be a general reading or it can be um, in response response to a question and so I, I kind of talked about it a little bit earlier in the show when I was introducing myself um, but I received my first uh, intuitive reading a few years ago I think this was 2015 um, and I was living in Boston and like I went to Salem during October and they have a lot of you know Halloween things and they have a psychic fair and um, I got a, a reading from a medium that was super on point where she was uh, identifying my spirit guides, uh, which like I said, we all have a team of uh, friends in spirit that help us out. Again, if you don't resonate, if this part doesn't resonate with you, that's totally fine. But for anyone interested in the topic, that's essentially what spirit guides are. Um, and so based on that experience, I started to delve into my own mediumistic abilities. I started to see things or kind of get feelings. Um, for me specifically, I am clairvoyant, which means that yeah, I'm, I'm a seer of sorts. Like I, it's like I receive messages through my third eye. So I will um, see things in my mind's eye that um, I are often symbolic that I will interpret for the other person or that may simply be for um, my client to interpret. Um, I also feel things um, physically. That's like, I, that's clairsentience. So, um, you know, if, if a message has to do with anxiety, I can feel that anxiety in my body. I can feel the fear as if it were my own, but it's like, I know that has to do with the client or that has to do um, with someone else who may be pertinent to the reading. Um, hopefully that 
all makes sense. Um, I think that you all will kind of get a better idea of, of how this works once I jump into the reading with Low. Um, what happens is generally like a, a client that I have, you know, I, I do this professionally is like a client will come up to me either seeking a general reading or a particular um, format of reading that I offer or will have a question. And, and like I said, I tap in, um, I may say a, a short prayer and then um, I, I, I kind of relay messages on their behalf. So with that being said, hopefully that was all clear. Um, we have a friend of the show on the air. Lo, welcome. If you want to tell us a little bit about you know your situation or what you may want addressed um, during this reading, which um, is going to be pretty brief. I'm going to try to keep it down to maybe like 10 minutes, like 15 minutes max. Um, and I will say before I give the reading too that a lot of the time how this works is when a reading is given publicly, what this particular person is, is receiving a message for, it will often resonate with someone else. So if parts of the message feel like they're meant for you, that's because they are. Um, so take that as you will. Now for real, low, <laughs> you can tell us what's up. Hey, Lay. Hello, welcome. First time listener, first time calling. <laughs> first episode ever. <laughs> So I have trouble connecting with my inner child, and I believe it's related to my mental block, related to movement. Mm -hmm. um, when I think of my inner child, I think of playing and dancing, but there's something inhibiting me from playing or letting loose, and I dread whenever my friends invite me to go dancing or you know anything that has to do with coordinated movement fills me with anxiety like you wouldn't imagine um and i think the root of it is that part of me that part of me hasn't been nurtured as a child um so my question to you is how do i get past the self-judgment with movement and tap into my inner child okay great thank you for that um for letting us know a little bit about your situation so um, I'm going to just like say a really quick pray for myself and then I will just jump into what um, spirit shows me or tells me. So. Okay, so right off the bat, spirit is showing me you, but interestingly, they're showing me you in your present age. And I see you they're showing me like different possibilities. So it's not possibilities, but uh, different forms of movement. So I've seen like ballet and I see you twirling a ribbon as if you do baton, um, cheerleading. I see you like spinning and spinning and they're showing me different facets of movement. So actually curiously, they are giving me the word team. Um, yeah, I didn't, yeah, so they're giving me the word team. So there's something about this. There's something about movement that is relational for you. And I'm seeing that you, okay, so it's like you're you're spinning, you're dancing, you're doing all these things. I kind of see you um, in motion, rotating as the scene shifts, as what you're doing shifts, um, although you always stay at, this, at the center of the image. So I, I tend to see images, it's like a whole movie, and I kind of have to describe that movie so that the other person understands what it is that I'm receiving. Um, and I see you smiling and it feels like 
okay, yeah, there's a sense of belonging here where as you do this, there are people around you. It's like when I see you in ballet, it's more like you're in a class and it feels like, you know, there's people around you um, and you're both kind of, you're all kind of doing your own thing or you're, you're following the same routine, but you're smiling. There's something about um, routine here that feels important. And now they're kind of pulling me back. Um, it feels like there's something that was broken Okay, I, I got the, the feeling of uh, something broken, almost felt like an object, but they're showing me you with a whistle in your hands. And you're blowing the whistle, and okay. <laughs> Sorry, sometimes I'm just like saying things as they come. I have no idea where they take me, but I see you whistling and you're part of a marching band. So these things, okay, they are not telling you literally like go start ballet, go join a marching band, go do baton, but there's something here about leadership. Um, there's something here, and then I got team earlier, teamwork being a theme, but I think leadership here is really important. Okay, so there's leadership is related. Leadership not being directly related to activities that have to do with movement, but leadership having to do with an aspect of your life, because they're kind of showing me them split off as if they're, there's four, I mean, they're related, you know, but they're showing me that the leadership is a separate thing. So, okay, they're showing me you walking down this path towards leadership, and they're showing this fork in the road, like you're at this path and you're at a crossroads, and to the right, or sorry, to the left, I see a really like a wide a fairly wide path it's a very steady path and there is a mountain a huge mountain like in the distance that you would have to meet if you took this route um, but on the right hand side I see a much skinnier trail and it's strewn with with pebbles um, and it just feels like maybe there are snakes or like lizards um, the lizards important I don't know what offhand what the spiritual meaning of lizards is we can probably look into that at some point later. Those of you who resonate with lizards, you can look up uh, why that might resonate with you. Um, but I'm seeing trees here that are really bare. They're super scrawny, scraggly. They're just like dead trees. They're gray. And I feel that you are tempted to go that that route, to go that that right-hand route, where it feels like, it just feels so barren. And I mean, there are like some animals there or whatever, but it, it feels, it just is very dry. Like the feeling that I get, it's like, it's a kind of arid place. And now they're, they're showing me like a desert, um, you know, like where it's like tumbleweed is rolling across, where it's just like the earth is so cracked. Um, and it's just really devoid of, of water. It's devoid of, of life force in a certain way. And of, of, um, it's not emotionally fulfilling. You know, this is all metaphor, it's all symbolic of of things that you choose for yourself right so it's like when we're talking about leadership and we're talking about choices that you make that may feel you make make you feel one type of way versus the other for me i'm seeing that the tension here is like as a means of avoiding something that seems really big and challenging like because the mountain represents really big obstacles like really big delays challenges like when you scale a mountain when you decide to do that it's a big thing it takes time it's a process it's a whole endeavor and so it's almost like I think there's a fear to really push yourself to go that way and then you choose situations 
um, you know, you choose behaviors or thought patterns where it's like, eh, it doesn't seem as hard, but there is still a toll nonetheless. There's still a price that you pay for choosing this path that doesn't nourish you. Okay, because I'm seeing now they're showing me more details for the left-hand side um, if, that leads toward the mountain. But I'm seeing that the trees here are more lush. I'm feeling like there's a creek. So there is a source of water here. And I'm now, I'm, I'm hearing a greater rush of water. So, you know, this tells me that, yeah, on the way to push yourself towards something that feels so uncomfortable for you, and to me, this feels like self-assertion. Like, I'm seeing you uh, as like a kid, and you're like really drawing in. There was something about you being a kid where I feel like you pulled in so tight. It's like you pulled yourself in to make way for other people. You really like diminished yourself. I don't know what it was about your conditioning that really made you feel like you had to make yourself small, um, maybe to put on a happy smile for other people. There's something about that where you were not being true to yourself because you felt like you had to accommodate to please others and that th this was necessary for you to maybe even survive in the world. You know, that your survival really depended on your ability to make yourself small, to make way for other bigger people. And so they're showing me like with this path on the left, um, this is like the crux for you. Like this is a big hurdle for you is leadership, but they're showing me you in like a suit as like, um, as like a pilot. Um, you know, different different roles, like just images that will just show you in that leader's leadership position. Like I'm seeing you in a race car. I'm just seeing you being in that driver's seat, which it feels like that's something that's been hard for you to do throughout your life, to really take ownership of yourself and to make choices that make you feel powerful. I feel that you have been making choices that feel a bit safe. But again, you know, it's like when you look at this path that leads to a mountain versus a path that's like surrounded by bare trees and it's dead. Mm, I mean, like that when you choose the right hand side with the, with the bare trees, yeah, you may not have to make that uphill slope, but it doesn't it doesn't nourish you, you know. So the key to nourishing yourself, um, I know you asked about physical movement, but again, like a lot of these inhibitions that come into play really have to do with something else in our lives. So for you, that makes itself manifest on a physical level where you feel awkward. Maybe when you dance, you feel anxious, you feel like people are judging you. Oh my God, Lord, <laughs> Lo, this makes so much sense because you're. I'm seeing you like when you keep your arms small, but like movement and dancing is like, making yourself big, taking up space, really moving your body in the way that you want to, in the way that the rhythm moves you. Like this is just a physical representation, not a representation because it's literal, but it's, it's a physical manifestation of what you feel emotionally, spiritually, personally, of like you being afraid to take up space. And that is why you feel so anxious out there and you feel self-judgment because again, like it feels like the opinion of other people, it, those opinions matter to you. Um, and it feels like, you know, you, rejecting that and really choosing yourself in a big powerful way feels so like daunting to you and it is because this mountain is huge whenever i see the mountain for myself or other people i know that signifies a really big challenge so for you and for anybody out there that's listening whatever feels like a mountain for you whatever feels so difficult and impossible like i just want you to know that it's not it may be something that takes time but it is totally within your power to to choose that path, to choose to move towards towards that mountain. Because no matter how long that takes, you're gonna cross, you know, you're gonna get over to the other side. And, you know, me seeing this, this riverbank, um, this creek, and I hear the rushing of water somewhere, it's like there is, there are resources, there's abundance, there's a life force, there's a creative force that you can tap into as, as you move forward, uh, as you move through this, you know, uh, wilderness, so to speak, um, figuratively.
And so I will say too, and, and talking to you, um, talking to everybody else out there and, and connecting this to reprogramming, the key to crossing a mountain is to really take it step by step. That sounds so obvious and so simple, but it really is about that. So I noticed that a lot of people tend to overwhelm themselves by thinking about the major hurdles that they want to overcome and especially when you think about healing and where you want to be at in your healing process and where you want to be like whoa that is so overwhelming like people are at point a and they're thinking about m and n and then wondering why why it is that they feel so anxious it's because you're not there yet and you don't have to worry about that yet you don't have to worry about you know, a mile down the way, two miles down the way, like think about where you are now, pull yourself into the present moment and really think to yourself about what is possible now, what is in my power to achieve today and in this moment and don't think about anything beyond that. Really absolve yourself of the responsibility of taking care of everything right now and really have that space for forgiveness of yourself of like, you know what, I'm not going to get everything done today, but I can do three things and those three things I'm going to do amazing. And then tomorrow I'm going to do another three things and the next day it's going to be like that too. And if you slip up and you're short on a day, that's fine too. Again, a mountain, it's a, it's a whole thing, you know, our lives. It's the whole thing. And especially a lot of us, uh, many of you tuning in are quite young. And no matter how old you are, it's like you have life ahead of you. There is no need to worry about five years down the line, 10 years down the line. Like just be where you are right now. Be present for who you were in the past. And, it, and by being in the present, you know, and by, by being here for yourself in the present, you're also there for yourself in the future. You know, it's a, it's a matter of, of being really here in the moment for yourself and not worrying about more than you need to worry about. That's, that's the key to healing. That's the key to life and to carrying ourselves with a lightness of being and a lightness of heart is to find joy and to really accept what we can and cannot do. Surrender all the things that are just not possible right now. Everything that you cannot control. Be that you know, your life, some life circumstances that you cannot adjust right now or people's opinion of you, you know, this and that. You can't, you can never control whether someone likes you or not, um, whether they believe in you, you know, whether, you know, you're not going to get somebody's approval. That's not guaranteed. What is guaranteed, what is within your power is do you support yourself and what can you do right now today? And again, not to be hard on yourself, but just to really have compassion, compassion and love for yourself, especially when you're having a hard time, especially for those parts of yourself that are not beautiful, that don't receive applause, that people may look down on, that may, that you yourself may look down on. So low, this, <laughs> that was, you know, a whole thing, but really like they are so encouraging you to take this path that seems so difficult for you. Like I can feel like the hesitation, almost feel like they, you feel like you're being pushed. Like you're like, you want to backtrack? Like as I see you like going down the path, but they're like, they really want you to relax. They really want you to like take a deep breath and be calm and like to know that they're with you and like they're guiding you. And like as you keep moving forward, you're actually going to find that like, your creativity and like your emotions are going to be so nourished like you are going to just open up and i'm seeing a pink lotus it could be white but i'm getting pink more so but the colors pink and white are, are really relevant here um and, and that tapping into i feel like peace uh flowers and plants have so many different meanings and again like i, I don't always know them when i see them because they're really throwing um menu symbols all the time things that i may not have looked into but i'm getting a strong sense of peace here you know, I'm seeing, I'm seeing Buddha um, and, and that really rep being representative of enlightenment and of a peace and, and a calm and, and acceptance. 
So um, with that being said, wait, do you have any questions? Like that was a lot, but I want to make sure that you personally, since this reading is for you, like if there's anything that you wanted to have me clarify. No, that was pretty thorough. Okay. It's so <laughs> inspirational. Thank you. Okay, good, good. I'm glad it resonated with you. Um, all right. So that was the intuitive reading. Hopefully um, all of you kind of have a better understanding of of what that is and, and how it works and how that can kind of be helpful for the other person, even for people that the reading may not be for. You know, I for me being an intuitive medium, I oftentimes give people messages that I myself needed to hear. Um, so if anybody has any questions, um, you can email a friend on the line at gmail.com. I'd also love to hear your suggestions for topics, um, you know, any ideas for things that you want discussed um, on the show. Um, yeah, we're moving into the plug portion. So, you know, my username um, is Mahiwagale. You uh, spell it like you say it. So that's M-A-H-I-W-A-G-A-L-E-Y. Um, so it's mahiwagale.com. And you can also find me on Instagram. I do post a lot of, well, not a, from time to time, I post readings for the collective. Um, and I usually use my tarot and the Norman decks. Um, but if you go on my website, you can find the types of intuitive readings that I do. And those include um, inner child sessions. Those include higher self consultations, spirit guide sessions. Um, I also offer energy healing. Um, and I do oracle readings as well. So again, contact me, Mahiwagale. That's Lei, L-E-Y. Um, some well. So will we have you back in your seat? So if there's anything that you want to plug. Uh, yeah, you could follow me on Instagram. <laughs> Samuel Askia, S-A-M-U-E-L-A-S-K-I-A. I also want to shout out my mom and dad. I know you all are listening. Love you very much. Yes, much love to everybody listening and tuning in right now. Thank you so much for joining us on this first episode ever of A Friend in the Line. It has been an honor. Um, all of you out there wishing you the best remember that um, you know love is always with you and just to keep shining and stay tuned for whenever we released the next episode and come back on the air take care bye